The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, I just want to tell you guys something. I always start out the podcast with a story, and it's usually embarrassing, um, and it's something that I get myself into or something I've done. I honestly feel like I'm 508 years old. Um, This week, I had to ask my marketing person that's helping me, Liz, who I love. Shout out, Liz. Shout out, Danny. Shout out, Liz. How to um, do a TikTok where you point to the words. My guest is already on Caroline. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know, I know exactly where you're talking about, only in that I have no clue with TikTok. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm right there with you. It, is, it was so embarrassing because they're both still young. They're both like, and Liz is really good at them. So I was like, hey, Liz do you think you could jump on a call real quick and uh, explain to me how to do the TikToks where you point to the air? And, you know, you're supposed to be doing this stuff to, like, promote the podcast. And, you know, all this social media stuff is all intertwined with getting, you you know, my messaging and building my audience and all of that stuff. But it is so embarrassing. She, She gave me a whole tutorial. And then I sat there for a good half an hour on my own to try and figure it out. And if I, if you guys saw the the TikTok that I actually 
where I was pointing to the wrong thing. I mean, it was just like a hot mess. Those are the best though. Now I want to see it. <laughs> I know I should probably send it to you, but, um, um, that goes directly into, um, my, my guest today, who is Caroline Nadine Helsing. And she is a, if you guys saw her, she's a beautiful author. And I also kind of like read up on you and you're, you're not very stupid either. You sound like a <laughs> smart girl, like all the things that you've done. You live in Orange County, California. And I think that her story and what we're going to talk about today is just so fitting for Mother's Day is coming up. So it's just, it's a perfect, um, it's a perfect subject. Let's say that for the holiday that's upon us. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on my show. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so you and I met, like, I think like on a message board or something. And I always say that things like happen for a reason. The reason, like when you meet people, whether it be like at a coffee shop or, you know, a message board, because we're both like building our social media and you're an author and I'm a podcaster and you had reached out to me for a question. Yeah. And then we just like started talking and I was like, Oh my God, I love your, I love your story. I want to read your book. And your book is called unapologetic tales of the original party crasher. Yes. And it's about your amazing mom. And you know, I can tell just by looking at you and we have talked a few times that it's sad, you know, to talk about still because your mother's no longer with us. Um, but as I read this book, you're just an, an incredible writer Aww. and you, the stories that you tell and just the way you describe your mom is just it's unbelievable and it's beautiful. And you know, you have a little angel looking like over you, just so proud of you. Oh, thank you. So of course. So let's go into the story of your mom because it's, I mean, her life is so cool. She's like, when I read this, I kind of thought of the movie beaches a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Just, um, she, rem she reminds me of myself a little bit because mm -hmm. I've always been the like wild, you know, girl that would like dance on bars and, <laughs> you know, and my best friend it was, our favorite movie was Beaches and she was always the like really calm one that would be like, Megan, get down, like don't <laughs> like that. And I was always kind of like the character of Bette Midler in Beaches where I love to sing and dance and do all that stuff. So I read that and I read about like the friendship and with her best friend and it's just a beautiful book. So why don't we start by telling the story of you, you being brought up and kind of your background and where you're from. Sure. Um, well, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, which right there is, um, is pretty funny because if you know, you know about my mother, she, she was born in New York City and she was a true New Yorker. So for the fact of her going all the way out to a little island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and <laughs> living there for as long as she did, that's um, probably a miracle in itself. But I had um, 
a beautiful childhood. I loved, loved living there. I loved growing up there. Um, but I also had a very, um, I mean, I don't know if you would say unique, but I, I, I knew I was um, being raised by um, unique parents, if you will. I mean, they, they, you know, my mother wasn't the stereotypical mother by any means. Um, so I kind of already knew that. Uh, and of course, when as a child, you know, you, you're slightly embarrassed. You're like, oh my God, my mom, 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 don't say that. Or why did you do that? Or, you know, but I think- I, I read that. Yeah, you kind of- My kids are like that with me. Right, yeah, of course. And I think yeah. that's pretty normal too. But <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in Hawaii and uh, raised by a, a mother from the big city. So I literally grew up in like downtown Honolulu. She had to be surrounded by big buildings, Waikiki. I mean, she dra she she took us to all the, the hotels because she wanted to be surrounded by people from the mainland, I think. Um, and there was always something exciting going on. So. I, I loved when I read in your book, the way that your parents met. I mm -hmm. like just like the, the story about your mom with modeling the mole. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, and, and like trying to imitate Marilyn Monroe. It just sounded, it sounded yeah. like so cool. Can you tell <laughs> me about that? Because I love that story. Okay. Uh, yeah. So my father worked uh, in advertising and he was always being approached by um, people with random products. And one day um, this uh, man called and, and said that he, um, he wanted to take him out to um, to um, dinner to to discuss this product that he had, and what it was was beauty marks, um, because at the time you know Elizabeth Taylor, Marilyn Monroe, so you know all these beautiful movie movie stars had like it was not uncommon to actually put a little dot with a mascara wand. Actually, my mother used to do that too. So. <laughs> Um, so she was hired along with another uh, woman to model these beauty marks. So um, my father sat down with this this fellow, and already he wasn't really that into it. He was like, "Well, maybe somebody else, you know, in the in the uh, the firm is going to be." But I'll, I'll sit and talk with them. I mean, honestly, I think he thought the product was a little ridiculous. <laughs> but my mother came in with this uh, this another woman, and they, my father and her, just I mean, the energy was palpable. Um, they just connected right there and she being the character she was, I mean, she always kind of talked in that, you know, kind of voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that with the, the little beauty mark. Um, but she was very bold, especially for her time. Um, you know, my father gave her his card and, um, I think the story goes a couple weeks later, she called him up and she's like, you know hi, you want to take me out on a date kind of thing? And he's like, what? But of course he's intrigued. And, and they, they went out on a date and uh, I think he took her to the, the St. Regis or something, which was one of her favorite hotels there in the city. And um, yeah, the rest is history. They realized they were complete opposites fairly early on, but I think that's what drew them to each other. And they were complete opposites. <laughs> Something about your mom that I loved was, um, you know, she, your, her, your grandmother mm -hmm. gave birth to her at 47. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I thought that was really interesting because they had already had like a whole family and then your mom came along. And what I, I loved, uh, your mom's just a character and I love, <laughs> I love anybody like that. Like, 
just a spark on this planet, right? And she always um, was into fashion from a very young age. Like, you know, she, can you tell me about that? I loved like kind of you talking about how they didn't like have a lot of money, but she would like model and do all that stuff in New York. And, you know, her parents were, where where were her parents from again? I I can't remember. Uh, From Kiev. So they were- that came in yeah and, and okay. her mother did not speak any English and <laughs> but her father um, passed away at a really young age she was 13 mm-hmm. um, and so they moved from like the this beautiful east you know the coastal part of the Bronx um, to more of like the dense populated um, and uh, for the first time she realized you know I'm poor <laughs> so I think she just escaped um, into that world of glamour and movie stars and, you know, artists, musicians. She just, she, that was like her happy place. And yes, she loved fashion. Actually, she loved fashion even from a, a, a child. There was a story where, um, I think it was my cousin used to come over, um, and he was just a few years old and she would just take him into her room and throw on all her little dresses and dress him up. And, and she'd be like, you look so great as a girl. <laughs> um, so she loved fashion. Um, and yes, she, she turned her uh, little apartment that she shared with her mom into uh, essentially an entire walk-in closet. She used every inch. She, she, put it, she stored her shoes in the, in the stove. Her, um, her little closet overflowed into her bathroom. And so the rod, the shower rod became like a closet rack basically she hung everything there it looked like you were you know walking into a closet when you used the toilet so (laughs) yeah um I loved I loved just like hearing that about her and I could relate you know I I texted you I guess the other day because I lost my dad at that age and um and so when I was reading the book I'm all about signs which I think you are too and, um, and you kind of described your mom in like part of the book as at one point she had these like diamond, um, butterflies. And mm-hmm. when I read that, I started to cry because I talk about on the podcast all the time that my sign that my best friend is with me is the butterfly. So anytime I see a butterfly and then I read that about your mom and then the connection of losing her dad you know, I just really believe I was supposed to meet you and talk to you and interview you. And like you, I believe in psychics. Um, so before we go into like all the rest of like what your relationship with your mom, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, she was a performer and, um, her best friend was too, and they would do the whole circuit at the Catskills. So like, I thought of like dirty dancing. Yes, Marvelous Miss Maisel, Dirty Dancing, that whole era was in my head when I was writing that chapter. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, she, her, one of her, her best friend, Marilyn, was a, um, a singer. Um, and my mother, yes, she liked to perform. She didn't perform professionally. She just loved to dance. She was a, she loved, she loved music. She loved dancing. And so they were kind of a good team. Um, 
and Marilyn would head up to the Catskills to perform and open for all the acts. I mean, you know, everyone at that uh, in that era at that time, and they all started in the Catskills, and it was just an incredible um, time. And um, they would go up together, and um, I mean, granted, they're I think 15 uh, around that time, but they, you know, they were always fibbing about their ages, and they looked older than they were anyway. So I think Marilyn had said that she was 18 in order to get the jobs, and my, my mom went along, and <laughs> and they got, you know, they got into so so many crazy um, experiences and, and stories, and um, what ended up happening, like not to skip ahead, but when they, why exactly did you move from New York to Hawaii, especially your dad being in advertising? Yeah. So my, my mom and dad met in New York and, um, he, he was married before. So he had, um, five children and they were all out in California and others, you know, like in the West coast. So, um, he wanted to be close closer to them. Um, and so after they married, he accepted a job in, um, in Arizona and, and they just, you know, I say they just migrated West and, and it, and it's something to say, you know, my, my, my mother would never have left New York city for anyone. I mean, that just goes to show that she, she was so in love with him, you know, um, to take her out of the city, which is, it's so funny because she would always like bring it up if they had fights, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, she, she actually really liked, um, living there and my brother was born there. And then, um, maybe about my, my brother was only a few months old. Um, so maybe it was about a year or so later, they moved to uh, a couple years later, they moved to, uh, Hawaii. So my dad was just, you know, moving up in the ranks and um, they accepted a job there. Uh, and they thought, you know, we'll just go for a couple years. We'll put all our stuff in storage, you know, it'll be fun adventure, you know, then we'll come back. And yeah, 36 years later, they were still living there. So <laughs> that didn't happen. But I was born there. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how I got there. <laughs> tell, tell me about your, um, your childhood in Hawaii with your mom. I know that I read in the book that you weren't as close to your dad growing up. And, and well, I was, I was close. I felt loved. I was close. He just wasn't um, as um, I was trying to describe like the differences. Like he, she was very demonstrative with her love, like very huggy and kissy. And um, he was more reserved, but we were close. Yeah, we were close, but it was interesting. And, 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 uh, after she passed, you know, I, I just felt like I was starting to get to know him more. So it's interesting. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I guess you would say I was very close with my mother because we would talk all the time. Um, and, but I never considered like, I mean, I always knew my father was there and I know he's knew he loved me, but I, I definitely got to know him more afterwards. And, you know, and like you, that's probably through, I saw like reading the book through writing your book, you had to go to him for, you know, fact checks and stories that you might not have remembered. And yeah. it probably makes your mom upstairs so happy to see that you're in this place now. I think so. Yeah, I hope so. I felt like she was with me while I was writing the whole story. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit more, like, why did you decide to actually write the book? Um, well, and tell the actual story if you're okay with sharing that. Cause I know it's very emotional. Yeah. Um, 
So I had always wanted to tell her story um, as a, like years, years and years prior, I had started, you know, little notebooks and um, I would interview her and I never, it never quite got off the ground. It was always like a seed in the back of my mind. Um, so there was that. And then when she was sick and, um, uh, you know, at her bedside, I, um, you know, she, I knew she was dying. Um, I had promised that I would take her back to all of her favorite places in New York City. And, um, and that essentially that's exactly what I did with her ashes. And that's a story in itself I could talk about. But um, I just started writing about it. You know, I mean, that was the first chapter that actually I wrote, the the chapter of, um, I don't know if you've gotten there, but the, when I, I go back to, um, I bring her back to New York City, and it was kind of like this um, sojourn, you know, this, this like journey with her and where I saw the places that she um, loved as a child. And it's like I saw it through her eyes um, because I promised I would go back there. And um, anyway, so I had started to write about it kind of as like a therapeutic, you know, thing for me. And I didn't know what was going to happen with it. it was mainly done for me. And then I started to write another piece and then another piece. And then I thought, well, maybe this is the book. Maybe this is it. And that's kind of how it started. <laughs> Did you start writing the book when she was sick? And do you mind sharing with my audience what she was sick with? Of course. Um, I did not start this book, no, until after she had passed. It was maybe, she, she passed on New Year's Day, which again, I, I, I'll say, you know, of course she did because she always loved a good party. So she was waiting until New Year's. Um, but I um, did not start the book until um, November of that, that year. So, you know, I needed time to process and it wasn't like, yeah, I didn't realize that this was actually going to happen. Me, me, writer and, story. Um, sorry. And what? And what was she sick with? How did she pass? So she, uh, she fell. She. It was just a fall, um, and she didn't have. Um, she didn't really have a healthy base to begin with. You know, um, I. It's like I would say, if you or I fell, you know, maybe we'd get a bruise or something. You know, whatever. But then our body would heal quickly. And she just never did. Um, she had the worst diet. I mean, like I say, you know, she she lived on Jello and pretzels, and you know, barely drank water. And um, and uh, it just her her system just kind of turned. Um, she also um, had an uh, had autoimmune issues. She had a liver transplant when I was in college, and so you know, there was there was just always something happening with her battles with cancer and, but she was always, you know, okay. On the other side of it. Um, I called, I actually nicknamed her the bionic woman because she always survived all these things. So it's, it's interesting. And like, who would have thought that something as innocent, you know, as a fall could have, you know, been the catalyst, but that's what it was. So just so you know, um, my aunt, um, is, is as we speak in hospice care and same thing she fell and it just her body like she she didn't eat well her she her nutrition was horrible she would eat like a rb sandwich because she was always on a diet which i know you understand <laughs> reading this um and she just like when you get older you don't realize like 
that just falling and then you're in a nursing home and then cut to like being on hospice right now. Um, so I understand how painful that is. I'm in California, my sister and my uh, brother, they're all back East. And, you know, as we speak, we're kind of going through her transitioning, you know, to see her parents in heaven and I believe in all that stuff. So, um, but I know like just reading like how painful it is, like the whole thing with the bed sores, which I read and, you know, it's just a hard, it's a hard thing to see. And that's only, that's my aunt. So for it to be your own mother and a mother that you just adored is just gotta be just so difficult. And I can tell you that, I think that unless people go through these things in life and they actually see it, they'll never understand. So I told you I lost my dad at 13 and he died of leukemia. So I will always have that, that image of my dad, like your mom was, your mom was this like vibrant beauty and like, she was like not even of this planet. Right. And my dad was kind of like that too. He was this like bigger than life personality. And to see my dad get sick, lose his hair, become frail, be, you know, like not the strong strapping man that he was is extremely difficult as a human being to process. And I don't think it matters what age you are, but when you have the relationship that you had with your mother, I say this all the time, um, and it makes me emotional too, is would I have traded the, you know, the 13 years with my dad and had a different dad? Mm-hmm. Or would I have had my 13 years with like the most amazing parent on the planet? And I did, you know? And so I kind of think of you when I, re- I was reading this story and like how it's intertwined. And, um, I don't know, how do you feel about what I'm saying? Can you, can you, I'm sitting here tearing up as you talk, so I can completely understand. And, um, it, um, I'm, I'm touched that you found a similarity. Um, and yeah, it's extremely difficult. I mean, my mother was a professional dancer, you know, she used to walk, you know, five miles a day. Like she was, she was very active. Um, and then to see, you know, her wind up that way was, it was hard. But uh, at the same time, I also had a, um, um, experience with it when she was sick with her liver, you know, liver, um, she had a liver transplant and that was just kind of out of the blue. Um, you know, she never really drank. It was any, it was just an autoimmune thing and they don't even know how it happens. And, um, she was avoid so she was sick for many years with that and I saw her it was like during that time it was a slow progression of seeing her deteriorate and then at the end of her life it was like almost much more quickly it's interesting um and the slow deterioration was that that was really really hard um because I mean she went from like you know this vibrant beautiful like luscious hay all to like I mean she looked like she was 80 you know by the end or more and this just she was miserable um so i don't know if you know anything about like with the liver you know i mean there was like liver the bile build up and that made her really itchy and that's one of the things that i remember more than anything just her sitting on the couch scratching just scratching her head and her arms and her you know stomach and because she just 
and it was just constant. So um, finally, I mean, she was just, she was petite. Um, and so when the, she finally um, got on the transplant in Hawaii list in, in Hawaii, um, they couldn't find a size that would fit her. And it was also the liver transplants in, in those days were at their infancy. It wasn't really that, wasn't, there wasn't that many. There was only one other, as what I heard, um, that had been performed in the state, you know, and anyway, eventually she wound up getting on another list in the mainland and she was called about, um, or I don't know, however long, six weeks later or something. So, um, finally got on. And there was a journey with that too, because there was rejection. And then, but like I said, she, oh, she had all these crazy things happen to her, but she always kind of made it through. I mean, she was in the air during 9-11 on United. She was like, you know, just a lot of near miss situations. She was a fighter. I know that in the book she talks about, and you kind of like went to the psychic, which we can kind of go into about how she, she didn't want to go. So do you want to talk about that? That was really hard. Um, yeah. Um, I, I love, I love all that stuff. And I think there's a, a, a part of everyone that, you know, finds comfort and, hearing from whatever way, whether it's a sign or, or, or in some way knowing that your loved one is okay. And so, um, that was just a conversation that I have with someone that was recommended and I thought, why not? And right from the start, she literally explained her to the T, you know, I think one of the first things she said was, you know, what, was she just the life of the party? And I see her just clinking glasses with all these fabulous famous people and, um, and, and yes. And then she started talking about these butterfly pins that she had in her hair. And, um, those were, they, they, those were, um, a couple of items that she had left when she passed, you know, these little, um, diamond hair pins. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it was um, interesting to hear what someone who knew nothing about her, but yet at the same time, everything about her, you know, conveyed what to me. Was, was, um, was when she actually passed, she wasn't ready to go? Or do you think? She, okay. So, well, I mean, like she had, she would have lived to a hundred if, if she could. Um, um, I mean, yeah, she, of course she didn't, she didn't want to go and she actually held on for a while. And, um, um, how do I explain? I mean, so, so she's, I know. And by the way, I know this is hard because I think I messaged you that when my dad was sick, um, I just can relate to this feeling. Um, he said to me, um, sorry, this is still hard all these years later. So I'm sure you can understand. He, he used to call me baby doll. That was my nickname. And the lat one of the last times I saw him in the hospital, cause I wasn't there when he passed what he said, um, I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight this. So I like when he actually did pass, I didn't, even though he was sick for nine months, I didn't really believe it. Yeah. You know, and so I understand that feeling of, of I can relate to what you feel is what I'll say. Thank you. Um, it, what uh, what what I heard um, her say that she, you know she, your mother didn't want she wasn't ready to go uh, or something like that. You know, that's when I was like, oh gosh, just you know, 
she was in hospice. Did she understand? And then I was told, oh, absolutely. No, it wasn't that. In fact, she was, you know, that it's where they take, you know, it's where they make them comfortable. And, um, and, you know, she said, whatever it was they gave me, it was, it was good. And yeah, I loved <laughs> I didn't that. Be in pain. And that was so her. She, she, I mean, even to turn her to avoid bed sores or to try and get her out of bed for the physical therapy. I mean, she would scream bloody murder. And, and so that was part of it because she was not, you know, they said, you know, we can't help her if she doesn't want to be helped. And that kind of rang true. So while she didn't want to go, she also, I don't think she wanted to fight. It, it's mm -hmm. interesting. It's very, yeah. Um, and so because of that, her body was just getting worse. It wasn't healing. It was getting worse. Um, her organs were starting to shut, things were starting to shut down. And, um, and so, yeah. But how, how long ago did she pass? It was in on um, 2019. Okay. So yeah, this is still like fairly new. You're still grieving, you know, to write a book and then have the book come out during COVID was probably how, how did, how did that work? Like, was that therapeutic for you? Was it even harder because it was during COVID? Do you want to talk it, about that? It was probably the best thing I could have done. Um, because, um, I mean, the fact that it was <laughs> during COVID, it was probably a blessing in disguise um, because I, I would have been distracted. I would have, you know, I'm a fairly social person. I'm not home, home a lot, you know, I mean, and during that time, I just devoted a thousand percent. I mean, that was my day job. I mean, every day I would write and, um, you know, she was with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was one thing that I was kind of worried about, you know, what would happen when I'm done? You know, I mean, I felt like she was with me this whole time, you know, will I still feel that? And luckily I, I do because I'm now I'm talking to people like you and I'm, you know, I'm promoting it. And so I, I feel like she's still here and I love it. Um, but I, um, yeah, I think I probably finished it quicker than I would have if, if, if it wasn't, you know, during during a pandemic, what else? I know, it, kind, it kind of forced you to sit down and do it. Do you yeah. have signs that you know she's with you? I'm oh all about God. signs. Oh What's your goodness. sign? My, my whole last chapter is all about that. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, I can tell you a few. Uh, I, I remember um, I remember sitting in my room here at my computer right there and um, just in the middle of writing and just thinking about, you know, and missing her and just in my head thinking, I just, you know, are you okay? Are you like, are you okay? Like, what are you doing? You know, where are you? And are, how are you? And are you okay? That's just, that was the thing that kept going through my head. And out of the blue, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't touch anything, bump anything. My iTunes came on and that song, um, Cheek to Cheek, you know, the one where Fred Astaire and Ginger uh, Rogers yeah. are dancing. Um, it goes, I'm in heaven, I'm oh. in heaven, and I'm going to start to cry. Yeah. And that song came on, and, um, you know, and I'm dancing, teacher, whatever. I'm have, It was just enough to let me know um, that she's okay, you know? And so that came on, um, that, that 
it was incredible. Um, and then also I, uh, I had remembered, I, I, I decided I wanted to celebrate her birthday. Um, I, I've been doing it. I'm going to do it every year now since I did last year and, um, as well, but the, um, her birthday's March 1st and I, I decided I would, you know, get a, a few close friends together. Um, and just, we would go out to one of her favorite restaurants and you may know it. It's vibrato, which is yeah. near you. Yeah. It's at yeah, it, yeah. I love that place up uh, in um, Bel Air. Yes, yeah. Yes. I go, I used to go there all the time with my best friend, Michael. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see yeah. her going there too. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. Loved the old music. And, you know, we would always, you know, see somebody well know, you know, if we, she just loved it. So I thought, okay, let's go there. And, um, you know, you have, the, you spend the evening. Um, I, we told stories about her and laughed and reminisced and, you know, took photos and all that. I remember going back into my car looking at my phone and mind you, this is, um, before, before we got there, I had sent a group text to everybody, you know, just to let them know specifics. And I can't wait to see you that kind of thing. Um, get back to my car, look at my phone and that text stream was up on my, on my phone. And, um, I had, I, I saw someone, something had written, uh, LOL mom. <laughs> I had not written that, you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. It, the phone was not out, out of my possession the whole night. I know I'm getting chills as I <laughs> tell you. So I like to think that maybe she was laughing alongside us to the stories. And I mean, she's always just so bright and, you know, just Caroline, so that, those stories are unbelievable. And I believe in all that stuff too, because I told you my psychic's Tim Braun. He's in Newport near you. Okay. Um, but I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. And those are such special ones. And also the fact that your mom used to be a dancer in the clubs of Barbara Walters' dad. Yes, the Lou um, Walters Review. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So the fact that that song came on, like that kind of music, like that is a hundred percent a sign that she's with you. And, and just to like, like reading your book, which is such a, like a love story, like how lucky you were to have that great love with a parent. You know, some people never have that in their lives. And, you know, it's just, it's such, it's such a love story. And, and it's just, like I said, so beautifully written. Um, I kind of wanted to go into your life, like what you're doing now, because you have such a cool story. Like, first of all, growing up in Hawaii alone and then graduating, and then you started a company on your own and you're just a very successful, you were also an actress and yeah. did tons and tons of commercials. I know that when you and I first FaceTimed, I was like, I know you, how do we know each other? And I, and it's, I thought maybe you would work because my husband has been an actor like his whole, since his childhood, but, um, you just are so familiar looking to me. So we'll figure it out, <laughs> we'll figure it out at yeah. some point. Um, also, I'm going to come visit you in Orange County. Oh, you yeah. know, you yeah. know, I love Newport, especially yeah. the shopping. Yeah. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about like, uh, where you are today and some of the things that you do. I know you're a photographer and a writer. Do you mind sharing that? Sure. 
so I feel like I've re reinvented myself like every few years. <laughs> um, um, started out, you know, modeling like my mother and then um, moving to Los Angeles, um, got into, um, you know, acting, um, did a lot of commercials, probably a little more than 60 or so commercials. That was like my bread and butter. Um, and, uh, then I started a, so I was living in LA for about eight and a half years working as, as an actor. And then, um, I had a little Asa Opso, little, um, my, my little sidekick. <laughs> I brought him from Hawaii to, uh, LA with me and he used to, you know, jump up onto my bed and sleep with me and, and cuddles and, and all that. And then, uh, I got a new bed that was higher than my old one. And, um, he couldn't jump up anymore. He kept trying and then fall off and <laughs> was like, okay, I, I have to find a step or a ramp or something to help him. And, um, it's funny cause now everybody and their grandmother, I feel like, you know, it, it makes this, you know, a doggy step or something. But at the time there was nothing on the market. So I made a, a step and, um, friends found out and, um, they, they wanted it. And so I, I've always sort of been entrepreneurial and, um, I started making them and then I thought, well, you know, maybe I can, um, start a business. And then, um, quickly after that, I, I thought of an idea of, um, slogans on t-shirts, um, for dogs. It was right around the whole, you know, um, Paris Hilton and Tinkerbell and that whole era where your, your, your dog is, you know, I carried my Yorkie in yeah. a bag. I was you one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, bitches love me was our first saying, um, which kind of tongue in cheek, you know, and, um, security. And, um, we had about 250 sayings and that's then what we were known for. So the company was rough, rough and meow. And I had it for about 10 and a half years and then I sold it. Um, and when I sold it, um, I kind of just wanted to take a little bit of, of, a, of a break and um, which was good because I was able to spend more time with my mom and dad, you know, they were getting older. And um, But in that time period, what I was doing, um, I started getting into volunteer work um, and I uh, became um, connected with Rotary and I wound up doing um, a lot of volunteer work like over overseas. Um, I was working with mobile medical clinics. And so we would um, go to um, uh, Peru. Um, I remember doing a clinic deep in the middle of the Amazon jungle. And um, that was an incredible experience. Um, we, um, we went to Mexico. I mean, I, I was part of the last crew to do administer polio vaccinations um, via the droplets in um, in uh, India. And, um, so because of my, um, love of photography and writing, I would document that. And so I'd write articles for the paper and, you know, um, I'd help where I can. And I also would document it. And so it was an incredible experience and I, I miss it. I want to, I want to, I'd love to do more of that, but, um, I was doing a lot of that. Um, uh, photography and, and, and like, you know, writing for the, for freelance, um, before, actually focusing on the book. So it's sort of my, nice. I mean, it's really sad that you haven't done anything in your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's it's pretty incredible. You're, I mean, I just love talking to you. I think you're such an incredible human 
And just, I mean, I, I've, I told, I think I told you before we started recording and my mom listens to this podcast. Um, we, you know, she knows we've been in a little rough patch. Um, a lot of it, and I'll be honest, stems from po- politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So politics, unfortunately, have put such a strain on, I'm sure a lot of people can relate in the past year or so or four years to like what politics can do to relationships. And I think when I read this, to be honest with you, it came at the perfect time because I do really love my mom and I realize how much I need to like mend where we are right now. And, um, and so happy to hear that. Yeah. So I want you to know that your book is just, it's just the most beautiful book. And I hope that my, the people that listen to my show really go out and, and read this book. I'm still not finished. I'll be honest with you because when I wanted to record this with you, I didn't want to know the whole story because I wanted it to be like, if I knew the whole thing, it would be harder to have the conversation. So I'm actually traveling. This is going to make me get upset, but I'm seeing my mom this, this weekend for the first time in four years. So, yeah. So because of COVID, I couldn't see my family. Obviously they're on the East coast. And then like, you know, I put off like, you know, when you live in California and your family's on the East coast, you kind of put it off. So we're all going to Charleston, South Carolina this weekend for my nephew's graduation. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my mom. And so I want you to know that, um, your book is especially fitting in my own life for, for me right now. And it's just a beautiful love story. And I hope I hope that my audience really um, goes out and gets it. Again, it's called An Unapologetic Tales of the Original Party Crasher. And your mom is just so cool. And like, I think a lot of people, when I read this, I think the back of your book talks about how it could be a movie. After reading it, it could be a movie. Um, So maybe that's the next chapter for you. I I can see it. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I, uh, I too can relate to the whole differences in politics with family members. And I think at some point you just have to agree to just, you know, agree to disagree. At least that's what we've had to do. And, um, and just know that, you know, you, you love them for them and differences are okay. And I mean, I grew up with so many differences between my, my mother and father, you know, and, and I mean, different religions, different, my goodness. And they, they never changed each other. They never changed themselves and they're never trying to change, you know, one another. And, um, I don't know if that's what helped me kind of, you know, look at people and accept, you know, do the differences in light, you know, I mean, I, I kind of consider myself more spiritual than following any particular religion. You know, that was one, one of the things is we were exposed to, you know, so many different influences growing up, you know, and, which allowed us to make our own mind up. Um, and I feel like I'm going in a tangent, but yes. No, there, there. I, I think this is like all valid stuff that we, 
you know, our country's in, I hate, I'm not going to get political, but I will say this, our country's in such a bad place right now that if there was more of just like the acceptance and being kind to each other and spirituality and, you know, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in right now, um, politics aside, but, um, you know, people like you putting out like love and kindness and stories and this is the good stuff in life, right? And um, I know that this Sunday is probably hard for you because it is Mother's Day. But like I said, I mean, I think you and I met for a reason. Maybe she had something to do with like us talking today and she is here with us. And is there anything like you would say to her today? Do you ever think about that? I think about that sometimes with my my loved ones that have passed. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I've been pretty fortunate to get validation, um, questions answered in, in ways that I were, were, was not expecting. Like if I can tell you, there was a story my, when, when, when she was in hospice, um, there was a moment where, um, I, I told her, I love, you know, I said, mom, I, I love you. And she said it back and, you know, there's nothing new. We always said, you know, I love you to each other, but she, um, it was like, have you ever had a moment where you said something to someone or someone said something back to you and it just lands and with an like unquestionable knowing, like you took it in, you heard it, you know, it, it, it just hit you. It was like that from on both of our sides, and I'm, I'm going to probably start crying, but um, that was probably the best, biggest gift I ever could have gotten because I get it. You know, you're going through something with your mother right now. I mean, mother-daughter relationships are tricky, and they're, they're a unique, you know, thing. And, um, I mean, of course, we, she and I had our share of fights, and, um, and so just knowing that... Um, to hear those words, um, you know, I love you and I know you do. I know you love me. Like to hear those back, that's all I can, can keep going to. If I did not hear that, that would probably be the one thing like, you knew I loved you, right? Or, you know, and um, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, I, I'm I, I think she's okay. I don't know. I, 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 I don't have any questions. I, I know she's good and it's a good feeling. <laughs> like you're at peace with it. And, yeah. and, do you, and do you believe in that you'll see her again? Uh, that is one thing. I do, I do want to say, mom, can you just come and visit me in my dream or something? You know, yeah. I want to be one of those people that has a dream where she's, you know, where I see her and I just wake up and it just was real. So I don't have that. She comes to me in other ways, but it kind of makes sense. She never really wanted to do anything that, you know, anyone ever wanted her, you know, like she did it. She does things her own way. So it does kind of make sense that she's, you know, coming in to me in the ways that she chooses to, but. But I, but I love that, you know, that she's with you because I constantly like, I think I said in the beginning, and I've said, if my listeners know, I talk about butterflies being signs. And anytime I see a butterfly, um, and I know my best friend is with me, like she's popping in just to be like, you're having a bad day and I'm on a walk and a butterfly will just like fly up. And it's like, 
in my head, like I, I know that I'm going to see those people again. And this is kind of like, you know, my mission in life. So I can like try to be a good person and do the, the best that I can. So I have that chance of hopefully, you know, seeing yeah. my dad and my sister and my best friend again. Um, right. I just think that you're an incredible person. What is your what is your social media? Just so people can um, follow you and find you on your website. Do you mind sharing that? Sure, sure. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram, um, YouTube, and it's all Caroline Nadine Helsing author. And and I try, especially on Instagram. Um, they, uh, I, I've been adding photographs of my mom or other family members or things like that because there are no, there aren't any pictures in the book. Um, but if you go to the socials, it's kind of neat because there's excerpts with a photograph and it's, you know, it's like, uh, I've been seeing said, that. Yeah. I, love that. I love that you're doing that by the way. It's really cool. It's you, like a little accompaniment to the book, if you will. Yeah, you have a great Instagram. Um, I was also going to say, in closing, if you guys um, don't mind, my listeners, please subscribe to my podcast, and I always appreciate a good review. I never really have asked that before, I don't think, on the podcast, but I'm asking today because um, when I have uh, better reviews, reviews on Apple, for example, people have an easier time finding me. And I thank all of you so much for your support. Um, I kind of have talked about it a little bit, but this podcast has really helped me heal in my uh, journey, you know, to battling through battling anxiety and depression and meeting people like you, Caroline, just make me feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. And I'm so grateful um, but I also just want all my listeners to know how much I love your messages and, you know, Donna, Molly, the people that message me, Jassy, I just love you guys. And, you know, even like a quick message from you just makes my whole day. So thank you. Um, in closing, thank you, Caroline. You're an incredible girl. Your, your big giant smile makes my whole day Aww. and your mom is just so proud of you. I know it. I feel it. I feel her with us. And in closing, keep living, keep praying and keep growing. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.